Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. All right, welcome to today's podcast. We are excited to bring you Coach Lewis Kerala. He's the head football strength and conditioning coach at Georgia Tech, but the guy has been everywhere. He's been to South Florida, Virginia, Mississippi State, Michigan, North Texas, Louisiana, Lafayette. He was at Buffalo, where he was a big part of taking Buffalo to new heights from a football standpoint and won strength and conditioning coach of the year in that process. Now he's at Georgia Tech. If you're if you're following uh, sort of the strength feeds on Instagram or any other sort of social media, he's a hard guy to miss. He is sort of the embodiment of the kind of coach you think of when you hear, I'd run through a wall for that guy. His players love him. He's wildly motivational. And he has a lot of lessons that go beyond strength where he uses the weight room to teach lessons that last a lifetime. Great guy. Lots of very cool strategies and ideas in today's podcast. Make sure that you like, subscribe, share with someone in the field, and enjoy our conversation with Lewis Corrala. You know, I've played football my whole life, love football, played a couple other sports, but football was the main one. And, you know, I think as a teenager, I had so much passion in the wrong way. Hmm. Like I wasn't, I wasn't the greatest kid. I'm not very proud of some stuff I did, but, you know, I, I do think learning from mistakes as a younger guy, especially in high school, I just, I use them to this day, you know, and I think that's helped me a lot as a coach, but playing football in high school, getting recognized, going to play college at the D2 and D3 level, um, battling a lot of, you know, things going through college, but coming out of it as a coach, because I did two division one internships in my summers off before I graduated. So kind of set me ahead of Mm -hmm. normal kids. I would just go to school with, but got a GA right out of college at Mississippi state. And then a year and a half goes by, I got a first full-time job actually at Georgia tech, you know, I'm 25 years old and I got my first assistant job here. So I was the head strength coach for men's golf and uh, (laughs) trained them like warriors. And we won the ACC and it was a great time, but (laughs) Uh, I was only here for a year, so I went back to Mississippi State as a full-time assistant, and uh, I was only there for six more months, and went to Michigan for three years and worked with their football team as an assistant, and then I got my first head job in North Texas, fired immediately 11 months later because we didn't (laughs) win enough games, Uh, got a head job at Louisiana Lafayette, fired two years later, didn't win enough games, and then Buffalo, I mean national strength coach of the year. It didn't change anything I did. Didn't stop believing in what I was doing. And that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned on this journey. Just, it's not going to go your way all the time, but if you, if you fall off of who you are along the journey, there was no point of the journey. So um, that's what led me here. I love that. How would you sum that up coach? Cause I, I think it's, it's a really important and inspiring thing. I heard a few things. Number one is uh, you started with internships and then a GA position. And I just, I love that mindset. I mentioned before we hit record some of the folks we'd had on here and like, and I'm not going to make a proclamation about the modern athlete or or anything like that. But like, you know, folks who've gone on to achieve incredible things like the Mike Ditka's, the Frank Beamer's, these really highly accomplished coaches. It seems like almost to a person, they did some sort of volunteering internship, did it because they loved it sort of role at first. Um, do you think that contributed to your willingness to just sort of be consistent and stick it out and, until it worked? I think if you can't do it for free, you're never going to want to do it. I mean, it's just like when I was an intern, my thought was on 
yeah, it's my summer off, but like USF, the South Florida Bulls, they let me train with the team that summer. So like I would be going back to school. So I had to work out anyway. I trained with the 9 a.m. group and then I trained the last three as a coach. So working and to earn a reference, I mean, I just try to do a really good job for a great person. And, and that great person got me another internship that next summer for free. So before my senior year, I went to Virginia and worked with their football team for free. Those two guys that I worked for for free are still two of the three biggest influences in my career. I still talk to them every month and they, they have so much advice for me. And, you know, I'm always telling them I look up to them and how thankful I am for them. And it's just like the guy I worked for for three months, no longer than three months, got me my first head job. Right. Or got me the opportunity to sit in front of the people to win the first job. So, yeah, I mean, working for free really set me up and I'll never look past that. Dude, okay. So you are so good at these one-liners. It's unbelievable. Because, uh, I mean, do a really good job for a great person. I mean, it's so succinct. It just makes it makes a lot of sense. And then I, I like this sort of the, the, the bit of language you added to that second part. They didn't necessarily get you the job. But this person that you did a good job for got you the opportunity to earn a job. Like these are, th those are such important concepts. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a humility there and an understanding and a thoughtfulness that I think is really good. And I'm sure you work hard to impart that to your kids. Oh, no question. I, I told him the other day, like, you're going to walk by your equipment guy every day and expect your laundry loop to be in your locker. You're going to walk by the cafeteria ladies every day and expect that food to be served after your workout. You're going to walk by that tutor every day and expect them to help you as soon as your grades start slipping. But are you ever going to thank them? Or are you just going to take it for granted? So like, I, I just feel like you're not ever going to find the success that you could have if you're not thankful. There's not three months that go by ever that I'm not writing either the longest text ever, calling, uh, sending a book, anything I can to my mentors, mm. you know, and just how thankful I am for them. And like, I love how people say they're self-made. It cracks me up all the time because they just feel like that gives them more credit or something. Yeah. It doesn't. You're never going to find the success you need or you want or desire one day if you don't thank the people that helped you get there. Well, yeah, okay. You keep tapping on a couple of things that are, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I make a habit as often as I can when I'm really sort of clicking, <clears throat> when I feel like my daily habits, everything are clicking. All right. <clears throat> thank you notes handwritten thank you notes. Maybe they're really quick. Just, Hey, thanks for everything. Uh, seal it up, drop it in a minute, whatever. There is something about that coach. So what, one of the things that makes our approach unique at the good athlete project, and I'd be happy to share pro, now is probably not the time to share a screen and show you our frameworks, but we, uh, we have a pretty, I think, I think it's a research-based exciting and most importantly, effective way of breaking down professional education, player development, stuff like that. And one of our big, what we call SEL, social emotional learning, character traits, whatever you want to, however you want to group it, is gratitude. And it's like, no matter, like, it is such an important practice. It, and I'm so happy to hear you say it, because you are, I'm not, I don't mean to <clears throat> paint a picture of you that isn't accurate, but from an outside perspective, at least, tough, you get a lot out of yourself, you get a lot out of your guys, you have high standards, you're holding them accountable, this whole deal. There's nothing soft about the Georgia Tech program, but- to be able to, within that, recognize that gratitude is, is essential. It's not different. You know, this doesn't not make you tough, right? This doesn't somehow be, if anything, it makes you tougher. 
And, and, and here's what I think that first of all, anything that's not easy to do, if you, if you believe in why you're doing it and do it any, you know what I mean? Especially when it's not easy, that almost by definition makes you a little tougher. So you don't want to wake up and, and write a letter. Okay. Get over it and, and do it anyway. Um, but then there's this idea, I'm sure you've heard like grit, growth mindset. Those are all sorts of essential uh, character capacities. I'm pretty convinced that things like that are, are not impossible, but far more difficult if you're not grateful. Meaning like, why are you pushing yourself through these incredibly uh, challenging situations that like 0.01 of the population will ever experience? Why are you putting yourself through that? Well, because some part of you is grateful for the opportunity and believes that there's a light at the end of this tunnel, right? That like optimism is essential if you're going to really grind. And in other words, I'm just really excited to hear you say that. Gratitude is just so key. It's huge. And, and like there was teams I've been a part of where I made a gratitude calendar throughout the year. Hmm. And I like we got 120 guys on our team. So I had uh, there was like five categories of gratitude, just people that do inconvenient things all year long to make their life convenient so but they walk by it every day and probably never say a word right until it's gone and then they blame them so there's like three right. guys on every day of the year that they're either helping the training room helping the equipment room helping the cafeteria helping i don't know some gas break down film like all these guys that do things countless hours just to help them yeah so after the lift all right today we got so-and-so, so-and-so, you guys are going to do the laundry today to uh, show appreciation to the equipment guys. And then you're going to put the loops in the locker after. Like, that's just, it's the most basic part of life that everyone forgets. So that's, that was a huge one. I, I really enjoyed I getting guys to do that. Okay, so I'm looking, now I'm looking at a really, I want to see the logistics behind that because I love the spirit of it. So do you plan that ahead? Like, do you say, hey, uh, whatever this position group, make sure that you got an hour free after lift and we're going to, we might have something for you or how, how do you make sure that that's doable? Yeah. So I'll just make sure like if, if the position groups I split up during the week, I'll make sure it rotates every day, a different group. So like, it's not, it's three guys a day, but once your day's done, it's kind of, you're done. So I, I just need to know one day that they're clear and then it'll work. So that's kind of how I did it. I like that. So like hypothetically, like, Tuesdays, linebackers, make sure you got an hour after the lift. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's really, I think it's a really cool idea. I'm honestly, I'm like scanning my room right now, seeing where I have space for a gratitude calendar. I think that, <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, the, okay. So the other thing from your initial comments that was so interesting to me was you mentioned you had these short stints, like hired, fired only a couple months, probably hadn't even fully unpacked yet a couple times. And then all of a sudden, without changing who you were or, or how you did it necessarily, all of a sudden you're coach of the year. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. How do you have so much uh, trust in where you're coming from in that process? Where did that, where was that built? So, man, where was it built? Um, I, I think the way I work out on my own, and I think my playing career kind of put that mindset in me, but it, just the just the purpose that I have in my heart of I want to help people. And I feel like the way I do things in the weight room, it gives me the ultimate platform to do that. So I just know for a fact that I am doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. And, wow. and when I believe that so much, no one can, no, no one's going to fire me and say, I can't do it anymore. And 
it got to a point after the second time I got fired where that one really hurt. You know, uh, it was it was like self-check time and, and reality time because my wife was like, what are we doing? Like, why are we? I don't like I understand you love it, but like it doesn't love you back and you're doing everything you can. But if they don't win, what you do doesn't matter. Right. So why do you want to do it? It's because I'm supposed to be doing it. And however or wherever that is, that doesn't matter to me, you know, and, and yeah, my wife is an absolute saint for following me around to nine different schools. But but like that year, Buffalo, I really felt like it could have been the end because of my family. You know, they just they couldn't they were getting to a breaking point. And for them to even take a chance on a two time fired head strength coach on a blind interview where I didn't know any of them. They just gave me a shot because the first head job I had, that head coach knew him and called for me and said, look, I, I know the wins don't add up in his favor, but you got a program changer here. So just think about it. And he gave me a shot to interview. And I knew once I went on the interview, if they weren't going to hire me, it wasn't going to be because I didn't give everything to them in my heart that has every bit of purpose in me. So I would make sure they felt that before I left campus. And if I didn't get the job, it was what it was, but I had no regrets and I ended up getting it. And that team was so ready to win. They were so starving because they went six and six. They tasted a little success that they haven't had before. And they got left out of the bowl predictions. They, they didn't get picked. Mm. So here I am coming off two times being fired here. Here they come feeling disrespected with a great senior class. And when we met, it was, it, it's hard to explain. And sometimes it gets emotional because I love those kids so much, but it just clicked and everything worked and those coaches trusted me. And here I am today. It's amazing. And, and so how did the back end of that Buffalo season, uh, how did that look? You guys made a bowl game that year. Yeah, we won 10 games and broke every season record and almost made the top 25 and we didn't end the way we wanted. We got a heartbreaking loss in the last second of a MAC championship, but um, I look at it as a complete success of that's the whole year. So that's amazing. I yeah, I, I the the approach that you're talking about is it's like true on a very fundamental level. Like if you if you know yourself, if you believe in what you're doing, and man, I don't know how many people are quite as lucky as you are to be able to say like, this is what I was, am supposed to do. But I, but I would, I would guess though, that of all the professionals in the world, there's a higher percentage of coaches who are saying that than, than folks at desk jobs. So, so maybe it's not as unique as, as one might think, but anyway, so you're in the right place. You believe in what you're doing and this logic around, Hey, th this is me. It's not a matter of whether what I'm doing is right, but if it's essentially the right fit for me, is someone willing to take a, sh a shot on me, I think that it, that makes complete sense. I just think it's, it sounds a lot harder if uh, like, if I'm sitting here in Chicago, taking that logic from interview to interview, that's different than, than having to jump across the country potentially and, and, and move your family and all that kind of stuff. So it takes some guts to do that. Had that not worked out this is a two part question. What do you think you would have gone to do and put a little ask and um, what, what from being a strength coach would have helped you do that better? Um, I think I ended, I would have ended up being an assistant somewhere. Like, I think I had other options to be an assistant possibly. You would somewhere. Not, there's no chance you were leaving the field. 
I just don't think I could have. Yeah. Like I, I sure I could go home and to Tampa and try to open my own gym, but that's kind of scary. And I'm not the best business guy. I don't really know too much about all that, but um, that was the only other option. You know, I, I love, I love speaking, but like, who am I to speak, you know, at that point. So it was kind of scary. You know, I didn't really have, that's, that's probably why there was no other option. Cause the only reason we would move home is just to be by our parents. Yeah. You know, I didn't have like uh this is what I got to do. If this doesn't, this is going to work out and it's going to work out. <laughs> that was my option. So, um, but right, yeah. let me, let me try to reframe the question. Then. It's just not an option. Strength coaching has a job. It doesn't exist public or private. Um, it, uh, if you had to go to another field, just as a thought exercise and, what do you think it would be? What do you, or maybe, maybe I'll reframe it completely. The skills that you've picked up in this world, where do you think they might transfer best? Uh, you can cheat and say everywhere. I mean, yeah, the skills transfer any job, but yeah, the, I don't know. I just strength coaching, maybe not, but like, I don't know. I'd probably be like a PE teacher or something and just annihilate people in dodgeball all day and, <laughs> just have fun with them and have them compete and stuff. But that, that was my other option before I started this field. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I'm hearing that's so interesting from that is I'm trying to get you out of this world and you just can't do it. It's it, and it's uh, I, I love how directed you are, you know, how clear it is to you that this is the purpose. I think that's amazing. I also, it occurs to me, there's another thing that we, we talk about when we consult schools primarily and that I think you're tapping on it. And that is like this recognition that every human being is embodied and to sort of deny the physical self um, is denying like perhaps one of the most essential components of being human. Right. You, you know, uh, in fact, there's a, one of the researchers we had on the podcast, her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's wonderful. Uh, I bring her up like more often than anybody else. She's episode 42. She wrote a book, how emotions are made. She's like a, a straight up genius. And she reminds people or she reminds me, at least in the episode that like our, we did not evolve. Uh, our brains didn't evolve for us to think and feel and see and, and debate philosophy and all these sort of high level things. Uh, they, they evolved so that we could move our body well. And you think about like, you know, way back in the day, that means like, you know, find sustenance, replicate, find safety. All, it's, it's super basic. And only once we were able to procure those things, like find, you know, do all of that well, could we start adding on to it, start thinking about complex relationships, imagining the future, complex ideas, like all that kind of stuff. But you, uh, you, it's clear, are very much embodied. Uh, and I love that image of you just wiping out a high school gym class in dodgeball. I think that is an amazing <laughs> image. Well, that's, not, that's what I did when I, before I started. So I was a teen camp counselor oh, at the YMCA. That's where I met my wife. Get and out of here. I almost got fired on the first day because uh, I hit a kid too hard in dodgeball and his braces got stuck to his lip and he was crying. So, uh, but no, yeah, that's where I met my wife. And I just, lo I just love just working with people and, yeah, you know, so I, I don't know another job. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Okay, so let me flip the question again because you are – and here's the thing. There's a reason you're at the top of the field in the, in, in the field that you're in, and it's because that's your field. So I, I, But what are some of the things that you give to players? Say your players are not going to go into the same world. What are, what are some of the uh, character strengths, like the, the true like life lessons 
that yeah. you try to give to them so they can go on and be successful. Everything. Every day is a different message. So it, like every, every mistake I've ever made, I share with the team. Every flaw that I have, I share with the team. Every doubt that I've ever had as a player, I share with the team. Like everything that I've lived through, I try to help them with at the end of the day. doesn't matter if it's a run or a lift. And it turns into a, like, just a quick education service of perspective, wisdom, motivation, inspiration, whatever it is. But that's, that's the niche in this whole field for me. Because, like, that's the platform that it gives me to really get to them. Like, I'm not, I don't, like, getting them stronger, that's cool, man. But, like, helping them become a man, that's much cooler. And that, that's, those are the texts that you, you look forward to one day that you don't know are coming. And I, I feel like that's one of the biggest things, just giving these kids stuff that you've lived through to give them global perspective and not just keep tunnel vision before them. Whether they're in business, whether they're going to engineer, doesn't matter. Any interview that you're on, they're going to have to feel your discipline, your effort, your want, your desire, the heart that you have, the ability to bounce back. Like all this stuff is just, it has to be in you or what you're capable of doesn't really matter. I love that. So, uh, yeah. And I, we think about it the same way. We've got this concept, we call it beyond strength and um, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I'll probably share an article or two with you when we jump off this, but it's, that's what it is. You might use the word platform. It's like, yeah, it's, it's an educational platform that, that we have. Uh, and that I think I heard you talk about passion and resilience and consistency and then, what, what does that do? Well, it lets your, like whatever you've got shine. You know, I think, I think that's uh, I think that really is our job. There's probably not a lot of guys coming into your weight room at Georgia tech that aren't pretty bright, that aren't pretty darn good at sports that aren't willing to work hard, all that kind of stuff. So, but, the, but they're still a work in progress. You know, I think back to when I was in college, you'd probably say the same. I was a small school football player like yourself. Like I was, a, I was, I was big, but, uh, but I was a kid, you know, pretty much. So I, I still needed, I was starting to form. So my ideas were starting to crystallize, but I needed guidance in for sure. And uh, yeah. And it, it's stuff like, like I try to tell the guys in different ways, different, like the general messages, but like in different packages and how I word it. And sometimes you got to go a different route to hit someone different. So like, no doubt. I always try to tell them if they want to go to the NFL, they're going to get looked at as an investment. And if I'm going to invest in a car, well, you're going to have to show me the car facts. And if I don't see like a, if I see a bunch of red flags on that list, I'm not investing. I'm just going to go with the other one. It's the same thing if you're a defensive end. Like there's no difference if a guy Clemson doesn't have red flags and you do, but the same talent, I'm going with Clemson. And it's, it's just like a scratch on a car. It prevents you from buying it. And it's a, a cracking a ship this big sinks the whole it's like i could just you know i i do know and i uh i, I love that stuff the cracking shit okay so what's what's one of those uh morals adages stories that you've used recently that you're that you're pumped about <laughs> like just the message in general yeah uh just about respect you know like the other day i was just like the greatest gift someone can give you is their respect yeah and it's the hardest thing to earn. That's why it's the greatest gift because you, no one wants to hear someone just speak. Like, what did you do to speak? Hmm. Like, why are you, why are you talking to me? 
Like that's the number one question everyone wants to ask themselves if someone's barking orders at them. So if you're going to tell a guy to not bend over, you better never bend over yourself. Yeah. If you're going to tell a kid to live right on the weekend, you better live right yourself. You want to you want a team full of tough guys, you better be tough. Like and that, that's for players and coaches. So like I'm going to I'm going to stand up here and preach about stuff and if I don't feel exactly what you just felt before you felt it, I'm a hypocrite. Right. So I got to try to just keep earning that respect every day from the kids and it never ends. The next day it's another day to earn respect or lose it. That's right. I I love that. I, I if you're going to tell a kid to live right, live right. That's like, that's a pretty good way to, to, to start it off. I think that's so smart. And I'll tell you that you just, you, there are two things that you just mentioned that came from a meeting that I had uh, two days ago, probably one of them was this proof of concept idea. You know, we talked about like trust and we didn't use the word respect. We were surely like referencing it, similar idea. Do they trust us enough to follow us and not just sort of do what they're told, but sort of want to be around us and, and all that. And uh, proof of concept was something that kept coming up because it's like it, it would be nice if they just sort of believed in in our experience and our message. But but that's not how human beings work. You know, like, okay. you know, um, you mentioned uh, Carfax free plug. I hope they uh, they throw our nonprofit a couple bucks. Carfax. <laughs> we, uh, but like, you know, BMWs, not, they're they're not saying just just trust us. That's not their. You know, they're like, let's perform. Let, let, let's show proof of concept and and, and that will help our sort of model here um and and the other thing that you mentioned is like and it doesn't stop you know and i we we talk about we talk about the psychological it's so similar to the body mind and body it's a psychological fitness for for doing it right routinely and not not thinking that one day you got it like it's not yeah like i said you're so good at these at the one-liners and the messages one-liners is cheapening it but you know you're so good at like making the message digestible but but that's it. It's not like you, you, you do, you say one cool thing and then boom, the kids are fine. That's your career. Good. Like, you know, you, you're constantly evolving. You might have to package, like you say, that same message in a different way for the other kid who didn't quite hear it the first time around. Um, developing a fitness for that from a coaching perspective is key. I mean, would you agree with that? Does that seem true to you? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, every, so every day there, I write the list. There's a box at the bottom for the message of the day. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times for me, but like, that's how I develop my staff too. get them in front of the guys, you know, get help, like, let them speak from their heart and see where it goes. And, and it's nice to hear from someone else. They say sometimes like the greatest experts are uh, the people from out of town that say the same thing as you, right. <laughs> you know, right. It's right. Like, right. but um, where I'm going with it is, the respecting, yeah, like I got a picture of an empty fridge on my wall because it's empty every day. You got it's your job at the end of the day. That thing needs to be full by who you added value to, by the people that you tried to help. Um, all the positive things that you tried to do during your day, hopefully that fridge isn't empty anymore. Yeah. But the next day, it's empty. Yeah. It's just like potential. You wake up, that thing's empty. You go into bed at what, 90, not 80, 60? Like, what'd you hit that day with your potential? So I think hmm. it's all, yeah, it's all how you word it. It's all how you make them think about things. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep that one. What percent of your potential did you hit today? I, yeah, I like those because it's like, 
you're not even calling somebody out necessarily. What you're doing, you're, you're forcing almost self-awareness. And that's the idea. You know, it's not like maybe, maybe kid's not lazy. Maybe that really is all he had today. But if he's at 90% plus of his potential, then, then whatever, you know, then, then it's going to grow. Then he'll grow. And two years later, you're looking at a different person. But uh, yeah, only, only at some point, only, only he can answer that. He or she. I, case. I always go back to the phone charge uh, example for yeah, the kids. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. 80%, it says sufficiently charged. And if that says it, and I don't look at the bar, I'm taking it off the charger. 80%, though, is all it's at. Mm. So a lot of times we go to bed and we think we did enough that day yeah. when we feel good about it. But someone else is going a lot further than that sufficient level. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot more and they're hitting that 100. Yeah. And that, you know, so I just think there's, there's so many messages, but uh, that's well, definitely one to make sure you realize that you have more to give. I love that approach. And that's, uh, we, so I'll just share, we use that one because we sometimes, we, I mean, we do youth, high school, college, and pro. We've got like all sorts of levels. And, and kind of like what you're alluding to, it's a lot, it's tool selection. The message is similar, how you deliver it matters. And by level, I think it matters. So when we get some of these high school kids who don't really know how to push yet, we try, we use that phone metaphor, but we do it on the back end. We're like, you're going to start getting signals. You know what I mean? You see that you see the battery down, your, your body's going to start sending you signals to shut it down and recharge way before that thing is drained. You know what I mean? And that's, and, yeah. and if it's a bright enough group, we talk about like, you know, why that is like the evolution, you know, we priority one from the human body, get to the next day, you know, you, you got to send but, uh, but you got to test it sometimes, you know, and we're, yep. we're certainly not talking about doing something dangerous. That's obviously not what we're saying, but like you get to 40%, that seems low on the battery thing. Will you pass? Okay. But you got 40% left in the tank and all this next task is it requires maybe 5% of that. Yeah. You gave up cause you got the, you know, cause you got the, whatever the alert going off. Um, yeah, but fr- framed it for the kids and it's just, I, I like the tech stuff. Now I'm not amazing at the tech stuff, but, I, but that's obviously something that they can all identify with. Yeah. You, um, all right. L- last question, coach. I don't want to keep you all day. I'm sure you got to get um, to a lift or a dodgeball game or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. The, um, you say, here's what I'll, I'll, how I'll phrase it. Do you, how have you seen athletes evolve over the years? And, and there was this one, when I first reached out to you, I saw this, this idea that I don't know if it was the week I was having or what, but it resonated with me so much. And it was something along the lines of, and you'll have to correct me if I'm off here, but something along the lines of um, essentially like how people want uh, accolade or reassurance first. And, and again, maybe I'm just kind of reinterpreting from my scene, but like you want this before you'll go um, when the truth is you have to work to get the accolade. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're almost inverting it. Like you need the encouragement you know, the, the, the balance is off. Does that sound right? Am I, am I hearing that right? Uh, One of them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's two things I think of when I hear you say that, like the, like when people do a little work, they really, they really feel like they should win. And that like doing the bare minimum is what people think they do to win. So I just say lazy people do a little work and think they should be winning and that winners work as hard as possible and still worry if they're being lazy. And that's the biggest difference in people. Like the ones that stay on the top, they're the ones always paranoid about being outworked. They're the ones always paranoid 
about not reaching their own potential forget everyone else mm-hmm. like like i don't nobody knows that i'm running at 4 a.m like it's dark like no one sees anything <laughs> no one knows it but me so i'm just i'm not gonna like i've never stopped running or lifting since i've stopped playing football like it's been in me and it has never stopped i've never i i can't take more than two or three days off yeah. without feeling completely different and i can't stand it so, uh, you know, I, yeah, I get frustrated when guys think they can take two weeks off right? and, and just be fine and just come back and start, you know? So that's kind of where that comes from. And then also I think there's, there's a thing where like, you know, champions sprint when the distance is unknown hmm. and there's so many times where all people would just want to know what's coming. Hey coach, what do we got for the run today? Like, Hey, how much, you know, how many half gases we got today? Like, that's not life, man. Like, you don't, you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. You just got to be ready and you can't have fear. And if you do good, you got to change that into confidence. The only way you do that is go, you got to go and you can't look back. You got to, you got to run. And when the whistle blows, the whistle blows. But like we did that today, again, we do it every, every Thursday, but it's called get the yards. I'm going to blow the whistle at some point. You don't know when that is. You run a hundred yards and back until it blows and you try to win. And some guys fear it and some guys kill it. Hmm. It's really good. <clears throat> here's, here's what I would add to that though. Just because that it's, it's also clear that that's not natural for people. It's a learned thing that not only are you and your staff teaching that sharing these, the values and creating real world sort of embodied opportunities to learn that sort of life lesson, but man, like they got to trust you. Right. They got to trust that that kind of goes back to your earlier message. Like they got to trust and respect you that you're you're not going to do this over and over until they're, you know, until they're done. You're going right. to do it to, at an appropriate level to push their thresholds, to get them to the next level of themselves. And within your sort of trusting, intentionally cultivated environment, you can learn those lessons that are just crazy powerful. Yeah. And most of the time. But before we do that, I'll tell them how many yards I got in this amount of time, you know, that morning. So, like, yeah. they already know I do it before them. And yeah. <laughs> that kind of helps their yeah, mindset a little bit. But, yeah. It does. I said that was the last question. It's not. This is the last question. Be, um, be, I, because I, I, I've had this conversation sort of behind the scenes with a lot of people. Now I'm going to have it sort of in front. It's not as provocative, I think, as it sounds. But with that idea that, like, you want trust that, the person knows kind of what they're putting someone through. And I, I think especially in sports, especially in strength and conditioning, that sort of firsthand understanding matters. Um, would you ever hire someone who, who didn't do that? Say they had like incredible, um, they, in, they were high level intellectual, they understood it, but, but they maybe had maybe once upon a time they did it, but they don't remember what it feels like to run a hundred yards at, at the top clip and you know feel that pain in the heavy legs yeah like my the three assistants i have don't do the team's workout every day before that you know what i mean like they'll jump in when i make them jump in on fridays or something like when the whole team's in here once but uh no i mean they 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 train a certain way and i'm good with that now like there's some assistants just do it naturally because they just want to, because I'm doing it, but right. um, no, there's no pressure. There's no, there's no thought on hiring someone that can't or wants to do that or anything. I just want to know, are they a good person or do they care about the kids? 
are they can you sniff any laziness in them you know can you feel their want to be a head strength coach one day Mm. um i think that's the most important part like everyone's certified that doesn't mean anything anymore so it just qualifies you and it puts you in a boat of a million people but right who are you how like can i trust you you know like i got work to get done and i got a lot of stuff to divvy off and i gotta feel good and comfortable with you taking some of that off yeah and that's sometimes i hire guys i never meet in person i just i can tell instantly on the phone from a reference of course but like sure i'm like yeah this is this that's the guy yeah I, I I like that a lot. Do you, um, you mentioned something, do you prioritize folks who are explicit about the idea that they want to run their own program someday? Yeah, I just think, I think you'll show more laziness if that's not in you. Hmm. And I, I think you'll be the last one to work every day. And I think you'll be the first one to leave. And I think other things will be priority number one all the time in your life besides what we really want to get done here. And then the development piece from my end I wouldn't feel like I'm really serving a purpose with a staff if I don't have a guy that really wants to make it one day. Yeah. So I think developing them is a lot of fun for me. And um, I want to make sure they are aligned with where I can try to get them one day. I love that idea. So it, it sounds like staff development is a huge part of what you all do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like Giving them the floor, bringing value every week to a staff meeting. Um, helping our interns, you know, we got a great intern program. Um, but yeah, huge. I love it. All right. Well, coach, um, I think those are the basic questions I got for you today. Um, my man, uh, Alex Nadalna, he's our podcast editor. One of the questions we used to have a lightning round. He's, uh, quarantine has limited that just a little bit, but here's the, here's the one takeaway from the lightning round that lets people be nostalgic. Uh, what was the first concert you ever went to? uh i think tom petty tom petty yeah so right over there is a guitar uh i was just playing the song walls you ever heard that one you know that one i think so yeah yeah Uh, he's got so many though yeah he oh man he's got like tons of classics okay how old were you when you first saw him 19 yeah 19 i love it yep um well there it is uh thank you so much man uh, I, I appreciate all that you do. We're constantly on the lookout for for folks like you who are truly like sort of living the mantra, maximizing the potential of athletics as education, going beyond strength and helping young people to whatever it is they want to do. Like you said, for some of them, it's the NFL. And for some of them, it, most of them, it's it's some other walk of life. But, but it sounds like if they come through your program, they're going to be prepared. So no, I- Appreciate that very much. And I appreciate you reaching out. It means a lot. And appreciate what you're doing too. Like you're awesome at speaking. You're you got a whole system going now, or I mean you're helping a lot of people. So I'm just thankful for you too. I appreciate it. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. 
They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.